0: Welcome back to the for sake of argument podcast. I'm going to introduce my brother-in-law. He is the, uh, (laughs) I can't even believe I'm going to say this about you, but he has thrown a girl further than I ever have. Welcome to the show, red.
1: (laughs) Yes, that is, that is absolutely true. I was a cheerleader throughout high school and part of college. But uh, the best part of college, (laughs) I I, I made a major downgrade. So I went to uh, I went to a school, the college that I went to, their team was nowhere near as good as the team that I was part of when I was in high school.
0: Okay, that's that's actually why I quit. (laughs) (laughs) You just couldn't take a step back. No, not at all. If you're going to throw girls, you want to throw them the furthest. Absolutely. Throw hard. Right. (laughs) So
1: allow me to introduce my brother in law. The darkest country music radio <laughs> DJ that I have ever heard of. Grizzly. <laughs> or, <laughs> or even met. Or, well. <laughs> but I've met more people than I've heard of. Or met fewer people than I've heard of. Indeed.
2: But well, welcome to the show, Grizzly. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and let me introduce my brother in law, the one person and the fastest person I've ever known to get homework on time. And matrixing his way in in and out of traffic to get you know his sister's homework there, and I believe he eclipsed 150 miles an hour. That may or may not be. Well, statute of limitations. That's
0: true, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a good time in my life. My uh, my brother-in-law Grizzly had a had a nice little Lincoln LS with a V8 in it. And it wasn't like it was a super fast car. It was fast enough, aerodynamic enough. And uh, when your sister comes running to you saying, oh, my goodness, I got to get this turn paper turned in. And the school is 16 minutes away and you have 11 minutes to get there. This was an opportunity. It was an opportunity. Go, Speed Racer, go. <laughs> they, the keys got thrown in my hands. I felt an obligation to perform. So oh, perform, Yeah, huh? I performed. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best NASCAR impression. Uh, I don't know. I was trying to set a land speed record with that one, I think. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I hit over 150 mile an hour and I got there with uh, at least two minutes to spare and when I told the teacher about what had happened, like Literally, the, the, the paper came off the hot press and I grabbed it as I ran out the door. And uh, when I told the teacher, she was uh, mildly concerned about my safety.
2: <laughs> I said, Don't worry, I'm going to let the car cool down before I go back home. <laughs> His exact words to me were, Hey, let the brakes cool down. Yeah. They, and I was just, yeah. I was kind of angry. So I just wanted to make sure you, you were okay. You know why I was upset? I thought that thing had a parachute or something, but no, I had, I had these real brakes. <laughs> Should have come with a parachute. Yeah, it's just, you, hey, now I know what Batman feels like. Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: Batman. Yeah, I
2: felt like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome everybody to the
0: podcast. Today's going to be a little bit different than most ones we do because we've been trying so far to kind of tackle subjects and we've been like we've covered the Second Amendment as as best as we could. But I really just want to kick back and have some fun and talk because there's so many random things that come up in conversations with us. I figured why the heck not? Um, I was actually sitting here thinking about (laughs) some of the changes I'm trying to make in my life and I think we're always trying to improve. So... Of course, we got to turn to um, <clears throat> the one and only Jocko Willink. Uh, he's got a great podcast. If you guys haven't heard that, um, just... Jocko Willink. Look it up. <laughs> but uh, he's got his own podcast uh, and brings a lot of people in. But this is one of the books that he he made. And um, it's called The Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. And he's an ex-Navy SEAL. And he basically doesn't think there's an easy way to get anything done. So just do it the hard way. So I'm going to read you a little excerpt, a little intro from the book. You said his name is Jocko. Is that like the mm-hmm. fight shorts? I don't know. they there fight shorts now. I know that he's got a J A SEAL. J-O-C-K-O Jocko. Is that like the white version? I think his mother hated him. <laughs> the, the white version. <laughs> no, he was
1: he was an MMA fighter.
0: Oh. Well, he I don't think he ever like did a match. I know that he's done jiu-jitsu since the like mid nineties like before it was cool. I, so I don't know why I thought that he actually had No, I don't think Jocko ever did. He was, he was actually like active duty until when he retired, he was already well past his prime for MMA stuff. So he's always rolled with a lot of MMA guys. Yeah. And I've, 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 I knew about his military career
1: and I knew about him, uh, about him like teaching uh, BJJ yeah. and doing a lot of work. And rolling. he actually and taught got- it.
0: Like he, he was the first to introduce it into his teams. He was, you know, having some discussions with his old buddies. He's like, yeah, you know, when I started bringing it around and he'd go with sessions where he's got, you know, 15, 16 guys in the room with him, and just go one by one. About every two minutes or so, he'd chuck one out and ask for the next one to come over. They eventually started getting the idea that like, hang on, he's got some magic voodoo. What is this? And he finally got a few of them interested. They started training jujitsu and, and it took off. It actually started being something they started using for, you know standard training with them. it is effective um yeah did he train with with one of the gracies i don't know if he's tra- training at a gracie school i know that he's been training with uh with an ex-mma guy um i, I wish i could remember his name because he mentions him all the time but <laughs> would that be eddie bravo no no that was joe rogan joe rogan's really good friends with with eddie bravo he runs 10th planet Jiu-Jitsu. yeah in omaha nebraska well, that's not the first one. They've had a few of them. <laughs> he's actually he's actually been really successful cuz he's innovated probably more than anybody in jiu-jitsu. Gone a lot of leg locks. Like if you ever watch any of the the matches like the Eddie Bravo Invitationals and stuff. Eddie Bravo
2: is famous for the twister, which is yeah. hard to get, but oh, when you can get it on oh, somebody, when, it looks brutal. Not just
0: when you get it on somebody, when you get it on a professional. Like, there's been some matches I've watched, you know, the EBIs, uh, and there's been some other ones. (laughs) You're talking top level jujitsu players, and they're getting twisted. And it's like, oh, that just. It's a hard move to get on somebody, (laughs) but it looks
2: impressive.
0: It is. Well, it almost looks like it shouldn't hurt as bad as it does,
2: but then you know, like. It's literally pulling your spine apart. It's an abdominal stretch like they do in pro wrestling. Yeah. But this is real and it's on the ground. Yeah. Can he threw it on the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen the twister performed red no no okay so
1: i now i i trained in in jitsu mm-hmm. the uh, instructor that i had taught both uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu and japanese jujitsu because japanese jitsu has a lot more uh like joint locks and things from a standing position
0: kind of takes a little more judo <clears throat> influence yeah
1: well i mean both judo and jujitsu are both japanese in origin mm-hmm. so
0: well i know that no i'm saying as far as judo is really big into locks and holds and throws and throws, yeah, but it's mostly standing type stuff. It's not really the grappling. Well, there was game. there's still a lot of grappling
1: and ground mm-hmm. game there, but they they had um there was a lot more standing stuff than I've ever seen in Brazilian jiu jitsu. Right, for sure. But again, like this this uh, gym was led by a former cop, yeah. so a lot of the stuff and a lot of several of his students were cops. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was from a practical standpoint. The, the gym was a self defense gym. Like he wasn't trying to train anybody to go out
0: right and to go get in the cage. Run, <laughs> yeah, well, but, and I kind of like gyms like that actually because I know. That like if you wanted around here at least you know you go down to James Krause's Glory MMA if you actually want to get some like competition fighting he had a guy on last night that was on the UFC 261 that had a great first showing he's I mean he's trained he's he's had probably five fighters in the last couple years that have been very successful so had more than that you know you've got your professional gyms but then you also got your I got a buddy that uh, that I used to work with at the PD and he got he got selected for the adopt a cop program that one of the uh, local jujitsu gyms did, where basically they were like, hey, we want to make sure the law enforcement has the best tools available. And so they adopted them, a.k.a. gave them free classes uh, for several months. And I just know from personal experience, jujitsu is so relative to working as a cop or even self-defense, period,
2: that it's Very much, and it's not a matter of uh, if. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a matter of when. Even if you're restraining your child, being able to restrain your child safely.
0: And I like that's the biggest thing is that people think it's like an assaultive thing. There's so much of it that's that's a control. Like I want to safely control somebody else without hurting myself or them. Well, and that was one
1: of the great things about my instructor was that he would talk about things from a practical standpoint and and living your life. And he would talk about, okay, so this is something that you do. You're just trying to control your buddy at the bar who's being unruly. (laughs) This is what you do when you're trying to control the guy who's getting... Into a fight with your buddy being on really at the bar. And this is what you do Absolutely. with the guy who's trying to beat the crap out of you on really at the bar, or he's mm-hmm. pulling oh. a knife, or has his friends coming after you.
0: Oh yeah. Guess what I was doing this week? I'm I was looking for mats, used wrestling mats, because I got all that space downstairs. And I'm serious. I would love to just set up a mat so that when I have friends and family over, we can roll because almost everybody I know has some sort of background with hand to hand combats, whether it's whether it's through military jujitsu or just you know a love of you know wrestling that they grew up with and stuff like that. So I'm like, it it would be so much fun to, you know, before we do podcasts, be able to roll for 20 minutes, practice some techniques, practice some escapes or, you know, whatever, just, just to do it.
1: I agree. I think that you missed the boat on there, though. There was there were a lot of gyms that were closing down during oh, COVID. Yeah. When and you
0: figure they'd be all out there. I, I was checking Craigslist and Marketplace and all these, you know, I'll find it. I'll find the right thing. Well, I know place. I was so there was a while there
1: during during COVID that I was like I was trolling Facebook Marketplace <laughs> for different things. Mostly, I think I was looking for workout equipment. Um, yeah, was, but, And
0: that started getting expensive really quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to do it before everybody realized, oh, well, I can't go to the gym gym. Maybe I should build a gym in my home. Cause I was trying to build a gym only in my two home weeks to find the curve before COVID. We'll yeah. be back in the gym real quick. Right? Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> so, but then like I was seeing other things, like I, I saw some, I saw some BJJ mats that were, that yeah. were going on sale. And I was thinking, man, maybe I should throw that. Maybe I should get some of those and throw down a little, a little bit of a matted area down <clears throat> outside. Oh, You've you
0: got the space for it down there. I do. I do. And I thought that that would be fun.
1: But at the same time I was thinking, well, I wasn't thinking about like, you coming over or anybody else coming over. Just I was thinking yourself, about teaching yeah. the kids and the kids oh, are nowhere near old enough to be learning that yet. <laughs> well, so I was like,
0: oh so it'll just be sitting there forever until forever. To, to be honest, like, like growing up around, like, you know, his kids, you know, Grizzly's kids, uh, the wrestling started really young with them in a joking, fun kind of, you know, you know, just playing. Oh yeah. But that is so relative. Cause I thought back to when I was a kid, my dad did the same thing. He was very hands on and go rolling tumbling around the living room. Oh, and I'm going to do that with my kids too. Yeah. And I was like, you know, uh, I mean, my earliest memories are doing that. So probably three or four years old. So you're a poke your eye out kid. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll be there before you know it. Your, your kids are going to be rolling with you. Yeah. But
1: I'm, I'm going to take them out. I'm going to get them. I mean, I'm going to get uh, enrolled in classes once they're old enough to where I feel like I can get some free time and go out and I'll, I'll do right. classes and I'll take them to classes because honestly, like the, grappling was, was the lowest part of my game. Really? Like I did a lot more striking. I just, I enjoyed striking more Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed weapons work more. And so I put a lot more effort into that. And uh, grappling was something that I was big, still am big, but <laughs> was but when I was training, um, <laughs> so I was one of the bigger guys. Um, I think there was like maybe one or two guys that were bigger than me. Um, and so I, I could really control people just out of sheer force. And, but it was something that like, you know, when you're, you're trying to learn how to do this and I would get out of breath so easily because I'm a big guy <laughs> and it was, it was just something that I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. And once I started learning it more and I was getting better at it, I would enjoy it more, but I still would have much rather been up doing, Doing uh, bag drills, doing mm-hmm. uh, pad drills, and
0: well, <laughs> I can tell barring. you one of the one of the things that comes to mind when I, when I was back in the police academy, <clears throat> the last it was is it was what they call our practicals, where we basically instead of just faking it, we were trying to be as real as we could with practicing how to be a cop. And so the the first fight of the night, I get selected to go in with an, another guy that was in my academy class. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, you and you, come on. I'm like, oh why they stick me with him? Like usually cause I'm a big guy and I'm strong and I was pretty fast. That usually stick me with somebody who was completely incapable and not saying these other officers weren't capable. I'm just saying like there's a huge disparity in, in size. And so they, they would have somebody, you know, that was just skin and bones compared to me cause I'm a really big guy. So when they picked somebody that was a bodybuilder, I started kind of scratching my head like, what are we about to get into? <laughs> so we walk in the room and they had this uh, they had this sofa that was totally made out of foam and this guy was sitting down, and his knees were touching the sides of the of the seat. It was it was like a two person sofa made out of foam, and his
2: knees were touching the sides. That's a three hundred and thirty pound guy.
0: Oh, he's at least three thirty. I mean, to be honest, I've I, I've seen him after that. He's probably around three fifty. If he was cutting weight and trying to be super healthy, he, he'd probably get down around three twenty or something. But he's just big, and he's you know six four, six five, somewhere in that realm. So he's just a big dude. And as soon as I walked in, I was like. Oh, I recognize this guy because I've been just staying after work out a whole lot. <clears throat> and we were in the gym one day and this guy comes in and he's got like over 400 pounds and he's repping it for bench press. I'm like, oh, oh, that's. <laughs> That's a a big boy. (laughs) You know, like I'm a big guy. I can lift quite a bit, but that was a whole nother tier. Like this guy's been doing his whole life. You know, he's in his mid 30s. He's at that peak of strength, you know. And so when we see him, I'm like, well, hopefully, because they kind of trick you. Sometimes you're going in and it's an actual fight. Sometimes you're going in and it's just to see you de escalate the situation. So we tried our de escalation tactics. I went over to deal with him because I was the bigger guy, right? I'm like, I'm going to go make contact with him (laughs) to try to help my partner out. And the instructor's like, oh, hold up. (laughs) Abrams over there and he sent me over to the younger smaller guy I'm like okay this is definitely going to be a fight then because they're very concerned about who's doing what right yeah so we're sitting there trying to talk to him for a few minutes you could just tell the tension was rising and rising because he just this guy's sitting on this couch and he just keeps looking back and forth at me and my partner and not really answering questions and just looking hungry like he just wants to eat us so my, my partner finally is like you know like having this conversation with him and he decides he's had enough jumps up out of his seat grabs my partner and just belly to belly suplexes him over the couch Ow. so i go flying over the couch because i'm immediately just like bam we gotta go right so I try, i'm trying to radio as i'm basically trying to fly through the air <laughs> you know he like send us back up and i get by the time i get on top of this guy he's already got my partner on his back and he basically has him in an arm triangle on his back and he's got all of his weight on top of him so i'm like okay i gotta get my gotta get my partner loose." So that there's <clears throat> two of us in the fight. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I'm trying to, I'm trying to push him at first. I'm like, no, he's just a rock. Like I'm not, I was 255 pounds at that time and in really good shape, but I I just couldn't move him. I'm like, okay, this is a problem. So I try to throw in an LVNR, which is a lateral vascular neck restraint, very similar to like a rear naked choke. You'd see in MMA. And I'm trying to get that locked in, and I've got my forearm is barely making around his chin. I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to get this thing set in. He's just too big. Like, it's thick. So I swing down to try, and the whole time I could hear one of the instructors, and still to this day, that guy, like, he cracks me up his voice. That's not it. That's not it. That's not a technique we taught you. <laughs> so I'm trying to swing down and get him into an arm bar while he's got his arm posted on the ground. And I kid you not, he picks me up with I'm 255 pounds on his arm and shoulder. And he picks me up and smacks me into the, into the mat and shakes me loose with one arm. I'm like, oh, we are in trouble. So at that point, it's kind of like, you know, all techniques out the window. So I jump back up and it's flying knees to the ribs. That worked. That got his attention. (laughs) That got him moving off of my partner. I'm like, you know, because we were trying to use technique. And at a certain point, you have to be a bit of saltive to try to get, like, a a safer situation going. So A tactical distraction. That's right. So I give him the knees to the the chest. He starts putting his arm up to deal with me. And then I just drive his arm through like I'm doing, like, a football drill. (laughs) You know, like, so I get him, you know, basically turned over. And the fight went for about two and a half minutes of just us scrambling. My buddy threw his shoulder out and legitimately was injured. So he couldn't do too much. And so it was kind of me and he was kind of putting some pressure on his legs, trying to keep him from being able to move around too easily. But I was literally just spinning around. If you can imagine being in like a North South position I was in a north-south position, spinning from side to side to side to side, just trying to keep the motion going. And it only took about two and a half minutes, and he was exhausted, and I was still fired up because of all the conditioning and because of all the training we had had. It's like, oh, I'm I'm still good to go for it's another a five of minutes. Attrition. It is, and so once he was out of gas, boy, cuffing was pretty quick and well, easy. But that's one of the <laughs> things about being a bigger guy is that you you have
1: a lot more to move around.
0: Exactly. So yeah, no, you're gonna a lot get of times tired. You, yeah. So, I mean, that do. was like, that was one of the big things that taught me. Like, you know, the, the jujitsu is critical because the technique really helps. But boy, sometimes somebody's just going to be a gorilla and beat you up. Oh yeah. So, you know, sometimes you just got to get aggressive and outlast someone. So when I'm th- <clears throat> thinking about having that mat downstairs, that's in conjunction with the runs, the bike rides, you know, all the other things. Cause that cardio, man, there's just, there's no replacement for it in a
2: well, fight. Let's yeah. say it is somebody who's a lot older, you know. As somebody who's a lot older, the one thing you want to do is keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I can't emphasize this. I used to work out at this one place down south, and I used to see these 80, 90-year-old people of all colors, races, and creeds, and all these had one thing in common. They were healthy simply because they constantly moved Yeah,
0: Well, I mean, we're even seeing it with, you know, we've got somebody that we all know and love and care about that's going through a whole lot of health issues right now. Yeah. And seeing the effort that it takes for physical therapy and for just, we got to get up and move every hour. We got to do something. And how critical that is because your body is just that way. If you give it stagnation, it's not going to want to ever move again. Sometimes It's it, inertia. It is. An object it, rest tends yeah. to stay at rest. An object in motion tends yeah. to stay and in and motion. So it
2: just wants to do that. Uh, one of the subjects I would like to do after that, you read that, I, I have to do, especially if we're doing MMA, is the John Jones situation oh, yeah. with the UFC. Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, he <laughs> wants, Dana White said that John Jones asked for $30 million guaranteed. Yeah. Now, John Jones says he didn't say that. They're going to give $8 million to Derek Lewis to fight Francis and Mm -hmm. Donalds.
0: Yeah, they're going to save a lot and, of money. Like you, you said you yeah. we were
2: going to get into
0: that. Yeah. You're getting into it. Yeah, so. see, you see what you're doing? Okay, well, this ties into what we were talking about as far as like having the discipline and going after certain things in life. This, this ties in a lot to getting up, not being stagnant, having inertia in your life, overco- well, overcoming inertia, to be specific, going into physics class. All right, so... <clears> Orbanelli <throat> shotguns. <laughs> so this is what he calls the way of discipline. This is just his intro to the book. People look for the shortcut, the hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. The shortcut's a lie. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it won't take you where you want to be. Stronger, smarter, faster, healthier, better, free, to preach to reach goals and overcome obstacles and become the best version of you possible will not happen by itself it will not happen cutting corners taking shortcuts or looking for the easy way there is no easy way there is only hard work late nights early mornings practice rehearsal repetition study sweat blood turmoil frustration and discipline discipline there must be discipline Discipline is the root of all good qualities, the driver of daily execution, the core principle that overcomes laziness and lethargy and excuses. Discipline defeats the infinite excuses that say, not today, not now. I need rest. I'll do it tomorrow. What's the hack? How do you become stronger, smarter, faster, and healthier? How do you become better? How do you achieve true freedom? There's only one way, the way of discipline. Now, I know for me, like we were talking about the police academy for myself, uh, both of you have been through military training, basic training, as well as some other trainings. Um, But that discipline is like the first thing that you learn anytime you're involved, you know, it, whether it be I went through a fire academy and I went through a police academy. It was the same thing. Discipline is the first part of it. You got to be coachable. Absolutely. Well, not just coachable. You have to have control over what you're doing. If you're the guy that wakes up whenever
2: you just feel like it, you don't set the alarm. You don't have expectations for yourself. Consistency is so much the key to any of these disciplines. I don't care if you're just powerlifting. Yeah. Let's say you never get into a fight. You never roll. But you keep lifting. Use that barbell. You've been using that barbell 20, 30 years. Um, Texas Power Bars, they've been making Power Bars since 1980. There are some of them that still have an original from 1980 and it still works well you're kind of an example of that idea
0: right yes, i think someone. that's why you kind of bring it up because <laughs> you like like one of the funny things i, I think it's funny to look back at, at pictures of you as a teenager and i'm like who is this guy yeah like it is not the same human being i literally be-
2: look like a chocolate q-tip
0: <laughs> <laughs> well when you went into uh, so you you served the air force right i did and
2: you joined at what age I, on my 19th birthday. Okay, so there you go. And at 19 and didn't tell anybody. What 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 was your specs?
0: Going I into was 19 5 foot
2: eleven uh-huh. and I was 150 pounds. Good I gained night. 10 pounds because what they always did, I always thought this was a jerk thing because, remember, I'm 19, so I'm like, I want to check out the girls. <laughs> really? That was my main <laughs> thing. And, they, they don't and have I, those on base, do they? Well, yeah, well, they did. <laughs> and I was definitely hunting for them, but I wasn't that bad. But they would have four glasses of water. Okay. Excuse me, room temperature. And you have to drink that before you eat your meal. I've never ate so fast in, in my life. In breakfast or lunch and dinner, every meal? Period.
0: Oh, okay. i I've never heard that I gained one. 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, no. We had to drink
2: 12 canteens a day. Ooh.
0: Hey, they weren't going to let you die from hydration. Dude, uh, well, <laughs> Dehydration. you got to
2: remember, this is Lackland. Not, not, yeah, Lackland Air Force Base yeah, in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, that's, that's hot stuff. And it's, well, you know, I've lived in the south before Uh and so i was kind of used to the heat and being so small i had no issues running Mm -hmm. or marching and i never got tired now the only time i was like okay this is hard was doing (laughs) push-ups and then the one brother that was there was like they ain't push-ups you you doing you doing butt-ups because their butt would be up in the air and they try to do this and well that's a push up. No, it's not. Good
0: form. Come on
2: now. Uh, this was terrible.
0: Well, though. and you know about form now. Now you preach oh, yeah. form. <laughs> yeah, I do,
2: actually. Because if you're not doing the exercise right, you're cheating yourself. Yeah. Did you pick up the weightlifting, the powerlifting while you're in the Air Force, or did that come after? That came after. Yeah. Okay. And I started lifting uh 1987, and this is what happened to me. I and I I had my daughter. And I'm, I'm, you know, married, adult, and I was trying to lift on a, one of those universals where, you know, plate loaded. Oh, yeah, you uh, drop a pin press. and then do it. And yeah. Then, yeah. I couldn't lift 150 pounds. Oof. That, that probably that didn't feel weak. good. <laughs> uh, no, it, it felt, uh, yeah. I got to do something about this. So I first walked in and everybody in the base looked at me and started laughing <laughs> for about five, 10 minutes. That's when they finally nice. get their composure, like, "Who? what are you doing here? And in about three years, you had one or two guys that could outlift me. Yeah, well,
0: and probably, I did this out of everybody that was there laughing. There's probably only one or two left in there. Actually, still working out, huh?
2: Now none of them guys outlift me. <laughs> you know, I'd outlift two or three of them guys. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just. What I've done, well, that, I, I was determined not to fail.
0: Yeah, and the only way you don't fail is that discipline we just talked about. Like yeah, you, you, you decide have to. It's to Determined. So here is what I did. I, I've seen you sick going lift. I've seen you with yeah. a temperature. Be like, <laughs> nah, I better just go deadlift today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so he's here's always going to have a temperature.
2: Well, somewhat
0: a so, high temperature.
2: So we have this fever. little short brother
0: fever. on base. He's got he, the fever for
2: more lift. He lifts. was and he's real quiet, right? But you could tell he's strong, right? Yeah. So he had four or five on there. And I'm like, let me see. And I'm in clothes. Let me see if I can lift that. And, of course, he looks and, yeah, go ahead. Nobody will ever tell you not to. Yeah. So I try to lift it. I can't hardly move it. I'm mad. <laughs> so for about the next six months to a year, I'm doing T-bar rows. There goes that discipline. Yeah. In clothes and in shoes, I walk right up to it and just pick it up. Horrible form. I just gripped it and ripped it. Yep. And it went up. And I was like, yes. I felt like you know, I just watched Star Wars and I'm a man now. See? <laughs> Incredible Hulk. And and the thing is, is that and then and then when I got married the second time, I was like, okay, I I, I want to get back into this mm-hmm. and, and be serious about it. And I remember this real big uh real big white guy was doing four uh four ninety-five five plates. I said, man, I want to do that. Now, I could squat that. Right. Okay, and I was doing, easily doing 485, but I got to the point to where I got tired of wrapping my knees. I was like, I don't like doing this. Well, where were you at at that point? I was about two twenty, two thirty at that time. So you had gone from Air Force 150 soaking wet. Yeah, it, it was the <laughs> hardest thing for me to How long of a from, time frame from, from that 150 to that 220? Well, when I I, I was 160, remember? After I got out of the, uh, out of basic, out of basic, I was one sixty. Okay, and then by the time I got married again, mm-hmm. okay, in the late nineties, I uh, I was like, okay, I got to do something with this, and I, I was determined, I'm gonna do something. The guys that are that are about my age now were lifting then, yeah. and they're doing four and five hundred pounds squatting and deadlifting it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do something. All right. And so that's what I did. I never imagined it would take this long for me to get this yeah. strong. Well, and that's the thing is I don't think you
0: necessarily hit a peak. You've been maintaining kind of the strength you had even 10 years ago. I'm you're, stronger you're still, now than
2: I've ever been.
0: That's what I'm saying is like it's it's been a when you've given it that discipline, you're, you're reaping the rewards. And there's, there's have, no shortcut to that, is there? It's showing up at the gym. That's but true. You're not going to get it just through dieting. You're not going to get it just through sleep. You're not going to get it just through living a healthy lifestyle. It's you got to put the work in. Yeah. And the here's in. the thing.
2: And when people like those that go to the podium, let me see if I can. I don't know if I could lift this. If you put in the work, you're going to lift it. Mm-hmm. But you have to put in the work. Now, that's with anything in life. Um, if you want to be the best ditch digger is what my great grandmother taught me. Mm hmm. Be the best ditch digger you can be. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Not saying because when you go into a gym, take some pride comp- in what you're doing. You you're competing not against everybody else, but against you. Be the best you can be, and then when you put the effort in it, you will reap the rewards. Well, that goes back to that concept of erite that we talked about last time. <laughs> yeah, sure does. You, 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 that's that's what you well, have Red, to do.
0: When when you joined the navy, uh, you know, were you super disciplined with anything in your life at that point? Oh God, no. Okay, <laughs> I didn't think so because I wasn't either. Like when I got out of high school, Fuck. I literally had one summer before I went and jumped into you know the fire academy, <clears throat> and I had no discipline for that summer.
1: So <laughs> I'm going to show you. This is a team photo from my cheerleading days. Okay. What year? That was my junior year. So that would have been 2005, 2004, 2005. Where's the skirt? (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have to wear the skirt. He threw the skirts. (laughs) So you can see I was not very big. No. But even then I was dense. Yeah. So like I had a guy who was roughly my same size. He was trying to talk me and this was my... Freshman or sophomore year, I'm not sure, but uh, one of those two, he was trying to talk me into going out for the wrestling team. And he's like, well, you're, you're about my size. You'd probably be like my my weight class. You weigh what? Like 155? I weighed 185 at the time. Yeah. So I mean, I've always been, I've always been a dense guy. Now this is a picture of me when I was in. <laughs> Your so wife I, might agree. <laughs> yeah. So this is a picture Put of me when change. I was in <laughs> some of the one of the like the best shape of my life. Yeah. There. So there I was probably. About uh, two thirty,
0: okay. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah. So two thirty, right around six foot mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, so you can see that's it's quite a quite a difference. Was this there. during your military career here?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was only a few years ago. Yeah. So, um, now I've. I just, I got to lose some fat. I got to lose some fat. I got to so get
0: back. We and, all, yeah. we all do, but <laughs> as long as I'm healthy, I that, don't care. That's kind of why I want to bring up this whole discipline thing is because I think we've, we've had the history of doing it and we're disciplined in a lot of areas in our lives. I know that, you know, like you go into the gym, you're always going to do that. You go into work, not missing shifts, not being a lazy human being, always going to be there. Cause you had that foundation. Right. Same thing with you, Red. You know, I've got to provide for my family. I've got to show up. I've got to get projects done. Like you're, you're driven to do what needs to be done. But, Sometimes we lose focus of like big picture, our personal discipline. Well, that picture that I showed you, like the, the second one that during that
1: time, that was when I was the most active, like doing the best in my life, right? I was working out six days a week and I was doing anywhere between eight and 12 hours of martial arts a week on top of that, Mm -hmm. those workouts. Yeah. So I was, I was extremely active and then, that's when I had my accident. Yep. Um, and so... And,
0: and you can't avoid the consequences of that accident.
1: No, like, you know. No, I mean, so I, I was I was in a pretty bad auto accident. I had a guy uh, run into me on the highway when I was going about five miles an hour, and he was going 60 plus, probably closer to 70. And uh, I broke the seat back of my truck and it collapsed the... It collapsed the, the bed of the truck and actually started to collapse the uh, extended cab. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I didn't have, I had only had the little jump seats in the back. I didn't have yeah. the, the full extended cab, but it started to collapse that my seat back broke and I put my head through the rear windshield. Mm-hmm. So I suffered a vertebral artery dissection the l- and which, a minor by the traumatic way, brain
0: injury. You didn't know about that.
1: That's true. For a no. little bit. No, <laughs> I, 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 got, I, when, when I came to a stop, so I actually spun across both lanes of traffic and into the guardrail on the opposite shoulder. And, uh, I immediately kind of did a self assessment and uh, jumped out of my. Did my you truck remember and,
0: all the incident? Oh yeah, I remember the whole right. thing. So you didn't so, black out at any point? You no, kind I of remembered everything. I right?
1: actually, so I, I could see the guy coming at me in my rear, uh, my rear windshield. Like, the guy going to stop? <laughs> no, I knew he wasn't going to stop. And and the thing that that popped into my head was that it's always the drunk that survives the crash. So relax. So Ooh. yeah, so I relaxed. Yeah. And honestly, like. So yeah, I got spun across both lanes of traffic, glass everywhere. When I hit the opposite guardrail, my um, my airbag went off. Right, and I didn't realize that my seat back had broke. So it bent my, forward with you. <laughs> no, no, it was I was in a reclined position. Okay, and so my uh, my airbag went off, and I wasn't anywhere near it. And I remember very consciously thinking that doesn't seem right. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like I, I got out afterwards, like after I did that quick self-assessment, I ran around the front of my car, my, my truck and was going to, uh, go check on the other guy, see if he was all right. Yeah. And, and I felt the splitting pain in the back of my head I touched it and came my, my hand came back with blood on it called it I, a rapid uh, trauma assessment on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, um, I'm like, okay, well, I've got to call the ambulance. I've got a head injury. Yeah. And so I started to call the ambulance. But at this point, there's some other people that have gotten out and were going over and pulling the other guy out of his car. Yep. And he was getting out fine. So um, I had uh, – I got a hold of the ambulance. You know, I called up my wife and let her know what happened. And uh, then I – had a med kit in my truck. I completely advise that to anybody to keep a med kit. I've um, got one in my passenger door right now. Yeah, just just like, it doesn't have to be something serious. Like, no. you,
0: nobody's expecting you to be an EMT. No, but, but just be able to control some bleeding. Right. Stabilize a, you know, splint something, just basic first aid. Yeah, I mean, even if it's just something
1: stupid, like, hey, I, I pinched my finger no, in the
0: door, and now I've
2: got a <laughs> right? blood blister. I've uh, split my, yeah, I, you you know, wouldn't know what you're talking about. You, you, yeah. You've
0: always got something jacked up on you know, <laughs> no, even, really. if even if
1: it's just like a little boo-boo is kind of first aid kit like yeah. it's just a good idea to have it on hand so no i i had some gauze in there and i wrapped my head Yeah. um when the emt showed up like <clears throat> they, i they they're checking me out and they're like who wrapped your head like <laughs> i did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like looking they're just like what oh okay
0: like no, yeah, and the, as an EMT, once you like you know from experience, like once you got somebody already wrapped it up, there's no more need to expose it unless it's saturating through that well, kind no, of they, thing. They, so. they they
1: pulled they took it off because they wanted to see if there was glass and stuff in there. Right. Oh. So
0: so yeah, they took it off. They
1: took some glass out of my <laughs> scalp. Um, I I found out that I had uh, a quite a big. Uh, gash on my shoulder oh, okay. uh, very very shallow but very wide um and it, it tore wow. clean through my uniform i was wearing my navy uniform at the time so those
0: so big, that darker blue yeah. hides the blood really well well yeah and those, those
1: <laughs> that's that actually why that he... thick canvas material because yeah. it was the uh the the navy uh, working uniform what the back heck? Day, the type ones you.
0: random glass yeah random thought for you did you know that's why most firefighters and emts wear dark blue navy blue uniforms like super dark blue the hide blood. the blood. Yeah. When you get blood and dirt all over you and stuff, it hides oh, it from so other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then there's other schools of thought there's some paramedics, you know, some paramedic departments that like to wear white. So that if there is blood, you see it right away. Cause it's on you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, so it's like two schools of thought, but I mean, yeah. basically the idea that like, yeah, it, all right. random well, that they actually think about those things. But <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I got, uh,
1: like they checked me out. I know the, the highway patrol officer showed up and she went and she opened up the back of the, um, Back of the ambulance and I'm sitting in there and they're just picking glass out of my scalp mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh my God, I yeah. thought I was going to find a body bag.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. you know why I worked in an accident almost identical to that. There was a, a Volkswagen bug that was in the slow lane on the highway, almost at a dead stop. And got hit by a box truck that was doing seven, It was 67 miles an hour at impact. But when that happened, the passenger of the car was leaned back in the seat. So the same thing as like your seat back being broken, they went back and they didn't go out. They didn't go out the back window, but they went that back that direction. And when they got to the scene and tried to work him, they couldn't understand why, but he had a hole in his head from the impact. And so they took him to the hospital. They rushed him. He's critical. They could not revive him. Luckily he was a donor. And by the time I got to the hospital, he was already set up to, you know, donate his organs. So, you know, it was a sad moment for the whole family. I was there with his wife who was driving the car and, you know, consoled her. We kind of talked about everything that happened. She was like, you know, everything happens for a reason. I don't know why, like, I'm gonna be sad about it, but hey, you know, he survived. I'm going out looking at the car and I'm trying to figure out like, how did this happen? How, did, how like it just doesn't make sense. It wasn't anything major in the car that indicated a really bad impact for the head. I finally found it. What it was is those VW bugs have a rollover bar that's built into the headrest of the back seat. So those deploy vertically. Oh. So what happened was one of them was able to deploy all the way. The other one got jammed by the truck's impact because it penetrated so far so quickly. So it couldn't fully deploy. And it was right where it's kind of like, if you can imagine, he's like a watermelon seed. If you put it between your fingers, right? Like It's just, just shooting back super fast because the car accelerated, but he was at an angle where the seat wasn't holding him in place. So he slid out the back of the seat and his head had hit that roll bar, but because it was leather padded, you couldn't tell that there had even been a puncture. There was just a minor hairline fracture. And when I finally pulled that headrest back, you could see, Oh, that's the impact. Um, you could actually see where he made impact with it. And there's, you know, evidence. I'll just put it that way. But it was like, wow, like the littlest thing like that can do it. And so when I heard about your crash, I was kind of like, I, I got nervous. <laughs> and especially like, cause it took you how, wasn't it almost two weeks before they finally figured something else? was no, it going was on? one week. It one was week. one week. Okay. So
1: yeah. So they, they checked me out for, uh, for a concussion when the EMT showed up and they're like, well, you seem like you're just fine. Yeah. Just like maybe I think they you probably had normal, you know, yeah. They, they, stats they, re-wrapped, and they rewrapped my head. I got some staples when I went to the hospital. So, like, I okay. actually waited with my truck to get it towed. Yeah. And then, uh, I had my wife come and pick me up and take me over to the hospital. And he checked me out. And then, like, he this was kind of dumb, probably should have, but he said, like, you know, with, with, uh, with as well as you're responding to everything, I'm not even going to give you, um, an MRI or anything to uh, to check to see if you've got a concussion
2: because I, I I you that is you're horrible fine. advice you know well why? it is but because here's the thing you assume the worst until. Yeah. Proven otherwise, yeah. That's what medical.
0: And at, and at the same time, people complain all the time about doctors doing these procedures. So the doctor's probably trying to weigh that out. But right. did you go? Were you on base? A hospital? Yeah, I went to a hospital. Okay, and you that's dude, probably why they were kind of like, let's let's wait until you we need to do this. But the other thing is, just on I'm just being for argument's sake here. Okay, this is what we do. But for argument's sake, I think that that doctor probably under like it, it, best case scenario, he runs the MRI, still doesn't catch what's going on in your neck because he's looking at. The the head looking for the contusion Probably. looking for the you know the CTE type symptoms and maybe just completely overlooks and doesn't even maybe they don't even scan it in the neck <laughs> yeah probably I, I have no idea what, how far they would have gone yeah but now describe what that injury was that ended up showing up a week later like well, yeah. what so, specifically is so
1: it so they threw some staples in the back of my head like you know they didn't even wind up putting they just put a bandage on my shoulder because like i said that was really really shallow right and then i had this perfect triangle shaped bruise on my hip and i had no idea what that was from like just a perfect isosceles triangle I
0: wonder if that was from that broken uh, hinge
1: so yeah. it was we didn't find that out until i went back and cleared okay. all the stuff out of my truck. Cause that sounds then- like the bar they have that goes into the seat. Well, no. So when I was moving the, uh, when I moved the seat forward, trying to get the stuff that was in the back, it was, moving weird. It wasn't moving right. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> this is broken. And I like, felt in there and I felt the the broken piece of the frame from yeah. the uh, the seat. And I'm like, oh, that's what gave me that bruise. I had no idea what that came from. But no, I actually wasn't sore or anything other than that, which, freaking miracle, but I think yeah. that really had to do with the, the relaxing.
2: Yeah. Anything but it was, that involves blood, you should be more intuitive so far as because blood just doesn't happen, you know? And it didn't seem like it was that superficial. I always would rather take more... And at the same for time, questions. like from the, from the medical field, like, it, like give you an idea.
0: You get a face on the c- uh, cut on the face. You have so much more vascular, you know, points in your face than you do almost anywhere else in your body. So head cuts, especially when we're watching MMA, like, oh, geez, he's tore up. I mean, really, it may just be one cut and it's just bleeding like a sieve. Oh, so yeah. No, I had a guy. Blood doesn't necessarily mean like horrible injury if it's dealing with the head. We were playing ultimate
1: frisbee one time when I was uh, when I was just in the Navy. You dinged and someone, and, didn't No, you. there was there was another guy came down brought his elbow down like right on the hairline yeah of uh of another guy and just split open just like, seriously, this guy took the elbow on the top of his head, he went down to the ground, immediately stood right back up, and from the time that he got hit to the time that he stood back up, half of his face was covered in blood.
2: Yep. So it looked like he got hit by Kung Lao from Mortal Kombat, right? <laughs> sure. I haven't been able to watch that, <laughs> that one yet. It's a dude you're, with it's a dude with hat. No, I'm talking about the game. There's <laughs> oh, okay, okay. a dude that throws I've, the hat.
0: I played
1: Mortal Kombat 2 on the Sega Genesis when yeah. I was a kid, and that's really my last experience with the, with the
0: games. Throwing the hat reminds me of, uh, of the dude in in the Bond, yeah, what his name? Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you. But come so, okay, we keep getting
1: off track. I'm anyway, sorry. I'm sorry, Red. What no, we, so yeah. So head <laughs> head wounds will bleed like crazy. But anyway, it was come a week loud. later that uh, a week later I got really dizzy at work. Yeah, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, went off to medical to get myself checked out, and from the time that I had like walked into work and to the time that i was um, getting like waiting in line to get checked out i was holding on to the the bulkhead the the wall essentially just to try to keep my balance like if anybody's ever uh, ridden a subway and just stood on the subway and tried to keep your balance all those little minor changes you're you're very fit, you're very deliberately having to make those small changes in your balance in order Rapidly. to stay up. Yeah. That's the way it felt like every single minor change that you do subconsciously. I felt like I was having to do it consciously because my equilibrium was all
0: messed up. So it's kind of almost like vertigo you were having. Oh yeah. Or yeah. somebody drunk. Yeah. Well, well, because worse, worse it's like, well, it, it- I didn't have the the good happy feelings. My head was
1: perfectly clear. <laughs> joy, joy, just, feelings. But I was all, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was all all wobbly. So and actually, um, when I, I was drink last night. When off. I was driving into work, I was going through an intersection at one point, and my uh, vision actually went dark and came back in like an aperture. Ooh. So yeah, it, that was I'm like that. that That's doesn't scary. seem right. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, so they, uh, I, I went. Uh, the medical, gosh, wonders of military medical. Um, it was uh, a corpsman that I'd had some problems with before, um, but don't he was, piss off the corpsman. Yeah, <laughs> no, but well, he was he was a d bag. Um, so anyway, he that. comes in and he's it's like standard. looking me over. Diamondback. And at this point, I'm at this point, I'm Desert. holding on to the examination table for dear life, feeling like I'm gonna fall off if I don't. Yeah. And he's like. Well, you're dehydrated. And I'm carrying around a 64-ounce water bottle.
0: That's this nearly point. empty. <laughs> no,
1: I, I drink... I, I would drink anywhere between two-thirds and the, the whole thing every single day. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm not dehydrated. So you're a camel. <laughs> well, essentially. Anyway, so he was... Uh, no, he's a seaman. Right, he... Was <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So... Dish that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was a fireman. But anyway, no, that's... Yeah. Uh, Categories of Navy. Anyway, so uh, he's like, Well, I'm just, I'll send you home if you're still feeling bad. You know, come back to to Sick Bay tomorrow. And I'm like, All right, whatever. Well, I'm going to call my wife because I can't drive home like this. Which, by the way, calling your wife may have been the best thing you ever did. Oh, yeah, because she
0: insisted that we go to the hospital. Well, she's because like everyone understands this, especially like you two being brother in laws, (laughs) the way my sisters are. um, It's one of those things that, man, they, a wife will do things that you will never think as a guy to do, and they will insist on things that you as a guy will never insist on for yourself. Or if they're others. a good wife, if they're a good wife, a- amen. That's what I'm trying to say. And they this actually is, care about you. Yeah, yeah. They they they'd rather have you than the insurance policy. Amen. <laughs> they, they don't want that check from the government. They yeah. want you.
1: <laughs> so after after going back in and, and checking me out, they decided to to run a CT scan this time. Right. And. It turns out that like I had that vertebral artery dissection, and for those of you guys, who and don't they found know, it
0: during that scan, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, they put me at a neck brace, and they were rushing me off to another hospital that had a, uh, um, neural radiology department, because mm-hmm. they were going to have to do radial radiology. Yeah, they did. On they it. didn't. Well, they did an MRI. They didn't know the the full extent of it, okay. so they did an MRI at the other hospital, but. Um, and that was a civilian hospital, It wasn't a military hospital? But thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no offense, but boy, we oh, got to fix our V A system. <laughs> well, I, I
1: could tell stories, and we will another time. Yeah. Well, but anyway, so what? What essentially had happened was that the inner layer—you've got two arteries that go inside of your vertebrae along your spine, <laughs> and one of them, the inner layer, separated from the outer layer and collapsed upon itself. So I had about a millimeter of blood flow going through that artery. Mm-hmm. Now, it's—it's it's not a concern of not getting enough blood flow because like I said you have two. Right. The concern is They're that bleeding that out. Con- no, that constriction there, platelets can build up right. and it can build a clot and then that clot breaks loose and then you can get a stroke because that cl- that artery goes straight up into your brain. So, yeah, they put where you on- have the your smallest blood vessels. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I had a, they put me on blood thinners and were uh yeah, they, you were basically bed rest no, at that for, point for right? that night. Yeah. But essentially, like, they they checked it out. They decided that... With given my age and my, my physical health, it was more risky to do surgery than mm-hmm. to just try to let it heal on its own. Mm-hmm. And he recommended that I get a heart rate monitor and not get my heart rate above 90. And again, like I said, I was working out six days a week at this point and doing between eight and 12 hours of martial arts
0: and going from that to, and, I'm not doing anything <laughs> that can get my heart, heart r- rate above 90. And your metabolism and your, mm-hmm. um, your hunger Is used to the six days a week working out. Oh, yeah. I (laughs) ballooned.
1: I ballooned hard. And I've actually, I've never. You're just in a bulk phase. That's. Oh, gosh. Quite a bulk (laughs) phase. So I've never fully, I've never fully lost all that. And it's. Well, you hit your 30s. That doesn't help. Well, yeah. But (laughs) I, I, I. The thing is, I've had times where I've just, I've adjusted my my diet because I, at that point i didn't adjust my diet at all yeah. and i should have but i've had times we'll where i adjusted my now. diet
0: <laughs> it's like I, I stopped adjusting my
1: diet Yeah, i'm gonna <laughs> do it now and uh, i got the to the point I where i was work... working out again and i was able to lose i was able to lose some weight yeah but the thing is it was just getting back on the horse afterwards it's not it was, easy
2: no. okay I'm, I'm gonna say now the probably the jerkiest thing i ever did <laughs> when i was in the military i was what 19, 20 years old, I was getting my teeth clean. I got a big fat brownie right before I was here to get my teeth clean. <laughs> Didn't brush my teeth. Oh. Put it in there. And this guy was so mad. He was shoving my head. And I'm laughing. Did you the even whole know this time. dentist? Uh, no, I, no. All I remember, he was a. Tall white guy that looked like Shemp from well, the Three
0: Stooges. Was this one of the? Was this one of the VA or
2: military? It was in the tennis? military, and yeah. he was like, he didn't say I, anything. He kept shoving my head, and he was cleaning and shoved my head. <laughs> and the more he did this, the more I laughed. I'm not gonna, that's probably one of the jerkiest you, things I've ever. Just did. wanted
0: a really good cleaning.
2: Uh, <laughs> and I, did, I, I'm not gonna lie, I did it on purpose. Yeah, it, it was yeah. terrible. When, you, when you're the little man on the totem pole, you got to have fun with someone, right? Um, well, this guy had to. I don't. I don't know. I didn't look at his what his rank was. Oh, I'm sure he was an officer though. No, um, no, he was an officer. No, not the clean teeth. Really?
0: No, the, the he was. That was the like hygienist. T- oh, okay, okay. So now, like-
2: when I got the four wisdom teeth pulled and the two impacted teeth, right, that was pain. That is, I've never bled that much in my life. Now, it was a guy that was a major, and I called him a captain, Ooh. and that's the only time I ever got away with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the laughing gas. He put a a needle the size of my hand in the roof of my mouth Yeah, and the, the only thing that was I thought he was going to say is it safe <laughs> that's what I was waiting for because that's what I thought was going to happen mm-hmm. I, it was I, it was, I,
0: it was I, gruesome I think we'd all agree that Dennis is like the worst place to ever be I don't know probably not in the, not. Dentist the DMV <laughs> Yeah, no, you wouldn't see the DMV. Yeah, I would. You can check in online now, and then you just wait in your car, and then they just text you, "Hey, you're first in line. Come on oh, in." That, that's nice. Yeah, I know. Like you. that's why I don't think of the DMV is like a bad thing anymore. So I'm like, <laughs> or at least in Missouri. Well, so
1: I've, I've, you know, I haven't had to have any like really major dental work done. So anytime I go to the dentist, it's like a cleaning and X-rays, yeah. and it, yeah, it's like okay, yes, they're poking at my gums with the metal spike, but. I have I, I haven't had the the root canals
2: or anything right. like that. Well, the so. impacted teeth. What people don't some people don't realize. Oh, I got I one impacted. It's I had two impacted teeth plus four wisdom teeth, so six teeth, and all of that had to be cut out. Yeah, I had one. So that was I wrapped had around my several, jaw, uh, one here, one here, one here, one here, and then the roof of my mouth. So I had like yeah. five shots about. And Did they just pull was, everything at the same time? Uh, yes. And he was very, uh, you got to realize this is an officer one. one. He didn't care. He was very unsubstant. he, the only time I've seen him show any emotions when I called him a captain, <laughs> I'm a major. And he made that very well known how I didn't get in trouble. Major, I don't know. Major pain in the mouth. <laughs> well, well, basically, uh, but he, he didn't care. He was like, nah, I'm a Major. And I I was just, and blood's coming down my face. Sure, yeah, sure. (laughs) And I didn't didn't care. Amazingly, I didn't get in trouble, I think. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is 1984. I I don't want to say
0: what happened that year.
2: Well, but yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Well, there was a tank born that year. <laughs> yeah,
2: so it was uh, the big story back then is when the scandal with uh, Vanessa Williams taking those pictures. The, yeah, that's when. Wow, that's when okay. it happened. I remember it distinctively well because I'm old enough to remember it. Thirty six years ago, she took pictures with some some white girl, and they were doing these nude pictures and all. But she had well, just her won. Heart. She just won the Miss USA contest, and mm-hmm. then that came out. Well, so
0: it, nowadays that probably wouldn't even make the news. Just um, say but uh, it, it would make the news. It just wouldn't be. It would yeah.
2: be on there. For very people long. wouldn't yeah. really care. I'm like, so what? She made pictures. Time, times have changed. Where's A the lot. link? Yeah, but here's the that, thing. That's, that's that's what would be the most <laughs> common yeah, thing. Well, well here's saying. the thing. What I like about her is that she instead of well, I'm former <laughs> Miss USA. She actually said, okay, I'm gonna show some talent. Right. Okay? She can actually sing live and i mean very very well beautiful lady nice as she can be so far as i know but i i really don't care about that i care about when i buy an album this is what you actually sound like she how, sang live with a how do you actually one, say the word album. album album because the
0: way it's spelled and the way you say it are just like i never can get that wrapped around A-M. my Album A l b u m. album 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 A-L.
2: Al-blum. No, A-L-B-U-M. A-L-B-U-N. There's not two L's. <laughs> Album. <laughs> Album. You know, and here's the thing. She is an amazing, amazing singer. And you know what I like about it? She's bringing old-fashioned jazz. She brought old-fashioned jazz back. There's a lot of kids that normally wouldn't know what old-fashioned jazz is. And now they kind of do. Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, uh, uh, jazz is a, law, a lost black art that a lot of people, black people, have. We've actually talked seen about it like several times bandit. of like going to some live jazz downtown. It was like if I'm correct, around the turn of the century is when jazz started, and it's a fusion, an eclectic fusion of many different styles. That okay, we're going to put all this kind of like mixed martial arts. Yeah, well, they put everything together. The sad part I see, and I particularly like smooth jazz. But there's not a lot of black artists hardly doing smooth jazz. Norman Brown is one of the very few, and he's I, a Kansas City boy. I'm trying to remember the name. There's
0: some. There's a group that recently started uh, getting popularized doing a lot of jazz he stuff. Hiroshima
2: uh, did a lot of jazz stuff. So uh, Pieces of team. a Dream is, is a very good jazz group. I like Rick Braun, uh, my favorite artist probably of all time, Brian Culbertson. This guy is incredible bony james is real good Uh, gerald albright is great (laughs) kim waters kim waters did the sax in the garden which was the saxophone version of the secret garden done by uh quincy jones written by a white guy rod temperton and so did did you know vanessa williams was in uh, star trek deep space nine i did not know that.
0: Yeah, I just found that out. I was like, I know I've seen her in a lot of different shows. So I just kind of pulled up to see, you know, like what different ones she was she in. ugly
2: Betty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I legit didn't know she was in Star Trek. That That's actually kind of cool. Look, like, I, I enjoyed watching Star Trek
2: in the 90s. I don't watch it anymore. I don't get but. tired of watching Star Trek. Why? Because we don't know. I, I like their premise that, hey, we don't get involved in other races. Right, we're, we're here to observe, not to, you know, yeah, influence. And, and. and, and, and and to a point you can do that and to a point you can't. Um, but I think there's other technology out there.
0: Shoes and the shaft.
2: Oh yeah, she. I, I definitely. I knew she was in Shaft. <laughs> an eraser. I actually like that one. I mean, eraser and her. You know what's funny? Her and uh, Schwarzenegger are good friends to this day. Yeah. Um. She he, he's was, a weird cat. Uh,
0: he he actually came up in the news this week because George Bush did a painting of him. Did you guys see that? I did not. It, see it was that. actually really cool. Like the, he did kind of an impressionist thing. It was all in color. And George Bush has been known for doing like uh, pictures and stuff for soldiers. I did not know that. Either. He, oh, well, he he's used to be a. He, well he's an I artist, like legit artist. Actually, he
1: wasn't he an airman? No, he was a pilot. Right. But he was in the Air Force, right? I don't I don't know so if he, he was, was an airman, Air not a soldier. He uh, may have been in the National Guard or something
2: like that. Know. He was some I'm, kind of military. All right, I'm, I'm not gonna too look sure. this up. Now. You you look that up. But
0: so this this picture he gave to um he gave to um Schwarzenegger, and it was it was incredible. I was like I, number one, I didn't even know they're really that close because Schwarzenegger bats for the other team. He's he, you know he blue as the day is long. So uh, you know
2: Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's a Republican, but he's a moderate Republican. No, he's not moderate.
0: <laughs> if you listen to his policies and stuff, he's very much the Californian view yeah. on. He nearly sounds every more like issue. a libertarian.
1: So George Bush was in the Texas Air National Guard, yep. so yeah, National he would Guard, have been okay. an
0: airman. Yep, yeah. Now he he actually saw combat, didn't he? Flying F fours. I don't remember. If you look it up, but there was pictures of him like in his like in his uh, bomber jacket. He zipped up next, standing next to the the aircraft. I can't stuff, imagine him
2: being in combat. I, I'm almost certain he was. Last president I knew that was in combat was JFK. Yeah. Well, so um,
0: so he's been doing. I think I don't know if he sells the paintings for that. He like uh, how does it work? But George Bush does portraits, and then the funds he gets from it, he sends to. um, Here's the picture right here, guys. Oh wow, George George W. Bush painted that of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, and gave it to them. Gave it to him as a you know as a friend. Um, but yeah, George Bush has been doing paintings for a long time. And he said it's kind of therapeutic for him because he knew he sent so many soldiers to die, you know, over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it's just one of those things that he wants to help all these wounded that have come back. So you got to give it to a guy that, you know, puts it out there, puts people in the line of fire. And then when he's done his sunset years, he's been doing nothing but trying to pay it back. So I've got some respect for him on that. There's a lot of policy things that I have issues with him on, but,
2: you know, well, hey, he, he saw us through one of the toughest parts of our nation's history. Yeah, and that's, uh, that was, uh, I don't believe in science fiction after 9 11. And here's why. If you'd have told me the mm. day before, hey, this is going to happen, I'd have bet the farm it wouldn't. Right. And for them well, to do that, <laughs> You just wouldn't think people would be able to
0: coordinate that kind of thing. Like I even went; I was so interested um, in nine eleven. I went and bought that commission book, and it's up there on the on the shelf. I'm I've read through it several times. I'm well, sorry, disappointed. Yeah, but like and even if even no, if we how it
2: happened, you have agencies, yeah, agencies that are m- funded in the multi millions that do not coordinate with one another. Had they coordinated with one another this event never happens. Yeah. Whenever somebody says, "Hey, I'm not interested in landing the plane. I just want to fly the plane." How is this not set off a red flag that, "Hey, maybe I should say something to somebody?" Well, it's the government. The right hand never talks to the left. Uh, and, hand. and seeing that in the is the problem. Agencies should work with one another. Why? Because you have a vested interest because there's nothing saying whoever is doing this rage against the machine won't come after you. Or your family, because the life you save may be your own. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to pull some pictures up here. I want to show you guys kind of the portraits that he's done. Uh, you, you I just, don't want
2: the Uncle Ben in scenario. Like some of
0: them are ben. really good. Some of them are, um, you know, hey, he's trying. Which I was going to understand, like he's an older guy, you well, know, and also he's, he didn't become famous for his artwork. No, but I think it's something he picked up after his presidency. He needed some hobby to, you know, keep his mind engaged. I think that's a great one to keep your, you know, hand-eye coordination together and well, stuff.
2: here's the thing. His folks lived a long, long time. Yeah. And he's born into money. Okay. Yeah. And this isn't a secret. Um You know, I think what what politicians aren't born into money. I don't know that we we've got a lot of Obama wasn't born into money. He wasn't born into money, but his mom married into money. Yeah, did she? Yeah, dude didn't even grow up in America. He
1: grew up over in like Indonesia or Malaysia or something.
2: I thought he grew up in Hawaii.
1: No, they say that he was born in Hawaii. I'm not arguing that point.
0: Yeah, i like just. just, I'm I'm just everyone it. getting out the pitchforks right now. Put <laughs> him away. We're yeah. not arguing whether he was born in the U.S. He's got a U.S. birth certificate. In the no, Indian I'm cares. not saying. I'm but not <laughs> saying that. Uh, what
2: I'm saying is, is that he, if I'm correct, he went in high school in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's records. He he went to school in Hawaii. Well, and he, I I know that
1: he went like he grew up and he spent a lot of his childhood over in other countries.
2: Well, he traveled a lot,
0: from what I understand.
2: So well, and his, his mom was definitely very. Uh, diverse thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, and well he might he might be the closest example I think we have is like, you know, a, a top-tier politician that's kind of like an A-list somebody who we know well who kind of didn't necessarily come from You know something originally like like you said maybe his mom married into some money um
2: but you know him going to law school those types of things he does have an indonesian sister but i didn't realize that he was well well and he has a brother in kenya too well he does uh because his father's kenyan um so but i i don't i didn't never remember him and i think the grandparents may had some money but they weren't necessarily Rich, but they, they weren't were like really
0: affluent or something.
2: They were definitely affluent, but not to the point. They were like uh not rich, but comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm
1: not going to pretend that I know like all about. I really don't. That's why history. I'm not commenting. <laughs> I know. On know, I, know, couple, I, know <laughs> I know a couple. I <laughs> know a little of those bit things. about them.
0: Yeah. I know a couple of those things. But yeah, but like, when we talk about like Bush, when we, well, Clinton's a weird one. Because I don't know that he really came from a think, lot of no, money. I don't think he didn't really. I, if
1: I remember correctly, he didn't either. I think no. he was like middle class. Yeah. And, and I no. think
0: even Hillary was too. And they went to college together. That's yeah. where they met. And, you know, they, they, hey, they, like them or not, they created themselves a heck of a, uh, a lifestyle. Uh, I, I, I flying I to islands <clears throat>
2: I'm just
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just running amazed.
2: running secure mail servers <clears throat> uh, I'm just amazed that they <laughs> They're tech found giants. a broom that yeah. <laughs> something like <laughs> that. I'm shocked that they found a broom that'll fit Hillary Clinton <laughs> okay I'm, I'm just talking there's so many jokes I want to make right now you know well, on that note let's
0: uh, let's take a break for a few minutes and we're going to come back and uh, I've got a few more subjects <laughs> so to go over but thank you fellas Everybody, thank you for listening to part one. Stay tuned for part two coming out real soon.